All right, everybody, good morning. My name is Frank. I'm one of the pastors. I'm so glad you're here this morning. We are, we are, we're, we're in a series about one of my favorite books. Uh, the, I have a lot of them, but one of them um, is the book of James. And we're in week four, so if you haven't yet seen this series before, you haven't sort of been with us, I encourage you to go online and go back and look. We're only one verse in, but we're on week four. Um, and uh, that's kind of how this works. So it uh, gives you a chance to catch up uh, without feeling like you're like pages behind. You're like 12 words or less, I think. Um, now, there was a time in my life, I know that this won't shock you, but there was a time in my life when I was seeing a personal trainer three times a week. Um, and I'm sure you think, oh, of course, look at me. Of course you see a personal trainer. Um, I hated every single second of those workouts. Every one, I hated them. I couldn't stand them. My, my, I liked my trainer, she was okay. It wasn't her fault, I signed up for the deal. Her name was Trish, we called her the Trishinator. It was terrible um, and I dreaded going. I thanked God when they were over and yet for some reason I kept going like a lamb to slaughter. I did it for two years. I lost a good deal of weight. I was stronger physically. My trainer kept telling me that one day I'd fall in love with this. One day this would be the greatest thing ever. And she would put this German accent on and she goes, you know, the muscles are weak. You must punish them for being weak. <laughs> and one day she said, one day you're gonna wake up and you're gonna realize that you just love these workouts and you're even gonna look forward to them. Yeah. <laughs> she was right, sort of. I did finally discover a workout I enjoyed. It just wasn't the one she was doing. But this workout was hard. It, it, I wanted the results so bad that it was worth it. I found that I loved the workouts. I loved what they produced in me. I, I loved the challenge. I loved the work. I loved the outcome. I, I began to love the process. James said that we would consider it joy when we fall into trials. I don't know if physical workouts or what he was talking about, but, but we can find joy in the midst of difficult times. Last week we learned that joy and happiness are actually opposites. That joy comes from the Holy Spirit and happiness comes from our flesh. So we, we talked about how happiness is really happiness because it depends on what's happening in our lives. It fluctuates with circumstances. Joy, on the other hand, is never affected by the circumstances of our life. Joy is a deep, underlying fruit of the Spirit. It comes from God. It's this sense that no matter what happens to me, all is going to be well. And we talked about how the joy that we speak of is only available to believers because the source is the Holy Spirit. We also talked about God never promised you happiness. It's not in the Scriptures anywhere. From the moment we walked out of the garden with our sin, happiness was never in the equation. Joy, however, is a guarantee for those who have the Holy Spirit. So we've been working our way through this one incredible verse. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. When trials come, we have a choice, James says. We're actually in a test. Now notice he speaks of trials coming. He doesn't say, if you ever have a trial. He says, look, you're gonna have trials. 
you're going to discover that you're in the midst of a trial. And the actual Greek word here means to fall into, to be somewhat surprised. That all of a sudden you realize the events of your life have changed. You don't see them necessarily coming, but you know when you're in a trial. You just, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, something's happening here. Now the cause may or may not be important, okay? God allows trials in our lives, but I'll tell you, most of the trials in our lives, we do to ourselves. We're in the consequences of what we've chosen to do. We're in the consequences of our sinful actions. So we do something and then we have the consequence of it and we're like, wow, I wonder why that happened. So one of the ways of getting through trials is to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you so you don't fall into sin. If, yeah, amen. If you are, however, in a trial because of your sin and you choose not to confess that sin and repent, that trial's gonna last until you do. And it's going to intensify because God is gonna require that you agree with him in every trial eventually. We're gonna talk about that. James speaks of various trials. They can run the gamut. A trial can be something as simple as somebody gives you back too much change and God wants to see where your heart is. A trial could be like me this morning. You wake up and you're like, I don't wanna to go to church. I wanna sleep in. And then Tammy, you have to go, you're the pastor. Okay, fine, I'll go, I'll go. But today, we're gonna to look at the reason James tells us to count it all joy. You see, it turns out that these trials actually produce something in us. They change us. And James says they produce steadfastness. In other words, they give you the ability to persevere, to stay in the trial long enough to learn the lesson. So one reason James says to count it joy, no matter what trial you're in, is that God is gonna use that trial to build your perseverance. You'll learn things in trials that you can't learn anywhere else. That's why God allows them. Amen. Remember that when you find yourself falling into a trial, you have to, the first thing you should think of, as soon as you realize you're in a trial, your first thought should be, God has allowed this in my life for a reason. Somehow, what I'm going through is gonna make me stronger, better, and more like Jesus. That's what I'm here for. In trials, we pray harder, don't we? We listen better, we draw closer to God. If our lives were totally without trials, we wouldn't even need God. We would never recognize that need. In fact, Peter says, why, why do you act like something weird's happening to you? This is a trial, wake up, there's things to learn. God created us so that he could have, a, let me go back and correct something. I said, if there weren't trials, we wouldn't need God. We would need God, we just wouldn't know how badly we need God, that makes sense. So it's the trials of our lives that actually get us to stop focusing on ourselves and focus on God. It is in the trials of our life that we realize our true need for God and our inadequacy of dealing with all these events on our own. You see, God allows trials in our lives so he can teach us something. 
that trial develops and it plays out and there's things to learn along the way. It may be multiple lessons, but one thing James says is, you will learn, if no, nothing else happens, you'll learn how to persevere. When we look at the trials of our lives from a spiritual perspective, trials are moments of opportunities, moments to grow in our faith, moments to test the foundation of what we believe, moments where we surrender our control, a control we never had, and see what God does. Trials bring life, spiritual life, into perspective. Notice something here, though. James says something that may not be totally obvious to us. Trials are moments of spiritual testing. He says, for you know, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You see, trials are in your life to test, to see how you're doing. Trials show us the depth and dependability of our faith. You never know where your faith stands and what it's built upon until you really have to depend upon it. Trials in many ways are like hurricanes. They come and they last for some time, and it's during the hurricane that you discover really how strong your foundation is. They can tell you your house can withstand 125 mile per hour winds, but until it actually does so, you don't really know. You see, we can say our faith is strong and it's unwavering and, and I'm all in, but until a trial hits, you don't really know that. So in the trials, we learn about the condition of our spiritual relationship with God. You see, in trials, God clarifies everything. You want to know how you're doing? I'm going to put you in a trial. I'm going to let it happen, and I'm going to show you where you are. Trials are spiritual tests. Chances to prove to God and to others the strength, depth, and solidity of our faith. It's in trials that you actually learn if what you believe, what you say you believe is actually what you believe. Does it hold up when things go south? Opportunities for God to show you the weak parts of your spiritual fortress. God, where am I, where am I susceptible? Well, let me show you something. And then you realize you've been through eight trials on pride. Hmm. In a sense, it's a chance for you to punish your spiritually weak muscles. They show you areas of your life where you need to grow stronger in your relationship with Christ. I went through that trial. I trusted God more than I had before. That's growth. I, I prayed more than I had before. I surrounded myself with people more. I did, but, but I still checked out of that trial early. I, I tend to seek comfort over the lesson. I need to be more persevering. So when we realize that we've fallen into a trial, James tells us to stop and realize what's happening. Now there are two responses to every trial in your life. You can respond in your flesh. Usually our knee-jerk response when something happens in our life is make it stop. Do whatever we can do to lessen the pain of the moment. In our flesh, we want to shift our focuses to see differently. We, we want to make excuses. We want to rationalize. We want to try to solve the problem ourselves. We look to our own ideas. We look to the world's knowledge. We ask people who don't have the Holy Spirit to agree with us. We start with a challenge that would play itself out over time, but we don't want to wait. 
When we operate in our flesh, we want the trial over. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what I have to do. I want the discomfort to stop. I want to fix it. I'm going to fix it myself. I'm not going to think about what God's doing. I'm just going to solve this myself. We don't like being uncomfortable. So our flesh says, do something to make yourself uncomfortable. Do whatever you have to do to get out of this. And often it is our second decision in trials that get us in the most trouble. We operate in the flesh in trials. Rather than admit our mistakes, we start compounding them by trying to cover up or solve the first one. We depend upon ourselves or our friends or the world to either rationalize and make us feel better in our actions or to figure out how to solve this the way the world would solve it. That's the flesh response. God, get me out of this. The spiritual response, see, God wants believers to see trials, not as horrible curses from an angry God but rather opportunities of revelation from your loving Father. God allows the trial in your life to reveal something about himself to you that you would not have known or not have realized any other way. That's why he allowed the trial in your life. He found you worthy enough to want to grow your faith. He found you worthy enough to want you to be more like Christ. He wants to grow your faith and your relationship with him. And the best way to do that is to allow a trial to happen in your life. That gets your focus off of you. It gets your focus off of all your stuff, all your deals. And you're down to a point where you can't solve it and you have to have God. And that's when he begins to work. Amen. Trials produce opportunities, spiritual opportunities to literally change us to be more like Christ. But in order to learn the lesson, James implies something here that we're gonna unpack. You have a choice when a trial comes. Even if you're approaching the trial spiritually and recognize it as a trial and recognize that you wanna grow, you still have a choice. You can either persevere and allow God to do what he wants to do throughout the whole trial or you can bail and take a shortcut and get yourself out of it. And you may not learn what God wants you to learn. So imagine you and I are going through lives and things are going really well and then a trial strikes and we realize there's a challenge in front of us. James tells us in that moment, we have a critical, critical, critical decision to make. Are we gonna look at this as an opportunity from God to grow and develop or are we just gonna see this from our human perspective and try to fix it and get it fixed? Are we gonna ask God, heal this, fix this, you owe me this, I don't wanna be uncomfortable. Or are we gonna look at this and go, God, you've made me uncomfortable. You don't waste pain, you don't waste suffering. What's going on here? Why, why is this happening? Not from why to me, but why in the sense that, what do I need to learn? What am I to get out of this? Unfortunately, too often, we just want things fixed. We want the trial to be over. We seek comfort over growth. We immediately try to fix the problem so the trial will go away. We pray and we ask God to take this trial from us, but we forget that he allowed it for a purpose in the first place. A trial may enter your life so God can show you that he's sufficient 
or that he provides or that he's in control or that he loves you or that he can uh, draw you near or that he's above all things. The lesson could be any number of things in the trial, but the trial was necessary to get you to realize it. You don't know he's sufficient until you need him to be. We have so much to learn about him. We should be going through trials all the time. You see, God has each of his children. Think about this. He has you and me on a growth curriculum. We are all in the same school, but we're studying different topics at different times. In the end, we will all complete all the courses and we will do it differently. When people ask me, why did this happen to me? I know the answer is because this is the best way for God to teach you something about him and about you. It's a lesson that's necessary and it must be important because God doesn't waste pain. So it happened to you so God could give you an opportunity to grow. So the stakes are high. You need to grow. We all come here every week to learn more, to surrender more so we can grow more. God chooses the lesson. But did you notice the choice? You have the free will to handle a trial your way. And James straight up says, this is a test. If there's a trial in your life, the first question is, are you gonna trust God and stay in it until he's done? Or are you gonna try to short circuit it? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. James says, look, you know this. Is it obvious though? I suppose it is. Trials build our perseverance. But in our flesh, we don't like it. I think most of us would say, I'd rather have a wrinkle-free life and avoid trials, and then I don't need perseverance at all. You see, our mindset as humans is we want comfort. If a trial comes, we want the discomfort to stop. And we want God to do it. And deep down, honestly, we believe God should do it for us if he loves us. If he loves us, he should stop this trial. He should take this tumor away. He should change this. He should give me more money. He should do whatever. You see, we've already discussed that we tend to see only the immediate. We don't understand that everything that happens in our life is going to affect generations, not just us. Decisions you make today are going to affect your grandchildren in so many ways. We don't see the bigger spiritual picture of what's actually going on. We just want out of our trial. Now remember, James is talking here to brothers and sisters in Christ, people who have the Holy Spirit and the joy and the power that comes with it. People who have surrendered their lives to allow God to do whatever he wants to do, to mold them and shape them and make them more like Christ. That's what surrendering means. Okay, it doesn't mean I'm going to surrender to Christ and I'm going to weigh in on what you can and can't do to make me change based on how comfortable I am. So James says, remember, our goal is to build spiritual muscles. You know that in order to do that, you've got to spend time in God's gym. If you seek the goal, truly seek the goal of having faith like Christ, your goal in trials has to be perseverance and not comfort. The world says, get me out of this, but believers in Christ say, God, grow me through this. Amen. 
I don't care what happens in my life. I don't care what I have to go through. I don't care how comfortable it is. You grow me through this. Think about it this way. God has the power to stop any trial or any discomfort that you're experiencing, and he can do it like that. But we don't serve a God who just throws trials upon us to watch us struggle. The struggle has a purpose. The struggle gets us to the goal. It's in the struggle of God's gym that we're actually shaped spiritually. God has a lesson for us to learn. He chose the perfect and best trial possible for us to learn it. If you're in a trial, that trial is very carefully selected by God to teach you something that you wouldn't see any other way. You see, God can only do what's best and he can only do what's best for you. So if something comes into your life that you think is bad, God's actually said, well, it may seem bad, but it's the best thing to teach you what I need to teach you. So the question we need to ask is, why would he stop the lesson before we grow? I mean, if God's gone through the trouble of allowing the trial in your life, and he has something very important to teach you, and that trial's uncomfortable, do you think he's really gonna go, oh, you're uncomfortable in this temporary, non-sustained, unimportant place that's not your home? Oh, I didn't, okay, all right, I'll take the trial away. That's not the God we serve. He's like a personal trainer. He's like, you need to grow. We're gonna walk through this together. It's gonna be hard and you're not gonna like it, but it's gonna be good. The key to trials as God teaches us through James is first and foremost, you gotta consider him joy. That's why he says it first. Every trial is an opportunity to work out in God's gym. It's an exclusive club. You have some spiritual weights to lift and it may get uncomfortable. Because when you have to lift spiritual weights, what you're lifting is the realization that you're not in control. And it's gonna be uncomfortable, but the goal is not in the gym, the goal is outside the gym. The goal is bigger than your immediate discomfort or your immediate problem in the gym. If you wanna be spiritually ripped like Christ, then you must make the most out of every workout and trial that God puts in your path as a blessing. So obviously James wants us to know the two keys to getting the most out of the lessons that God has for us. First, we are to realize that what's happening to us, while we may have caused it, while it may have just happened, whatever the cause, something spiritual is happening, not physical. God is taking us to his spiritual gym where he can shake us, shake and shape us. That's what joy is. Yeah, I'm going through a trial, but God's right here with me. Yeah, I'm going through a trial, but I can feel his presence. James says, first, before you do anything else, you consider it joy. It's a prerequisite. It's a necessary first step. If we don't realize the greater goal, we'll never accept the next truth. In other words, God has allowed a trial in your life. You should be thankful that you're worthy to be shaped by your heavenly father. Second, he says, once you realize you have a greater goal in mind than just solving your discomfort, you need to commit to the process and persevere through the entire lesson. 
Your faith is being tested. You're molded to be more like Christ. You're in a lesson ordained and orchestrated by God, and he's right there with you to teach you something you don't know about yourself. Your transformation is guaranteed if you commit to persevering through the trial. It's critical to understand. Let me share with you something that may help you and uh, commit to staying in and persevering through the trial. Let me just share something with you. The lesson is not going to go away. If you're in a trial because God wants to teach you something, he's going to teach you something, no matter what, eventually. Okay? The minute God said, Moses, I want you to lead them out of, they were already going out of Egypt. It's done. Okay, God has already told us, I'm going to shape you and mold you to be just like Christ. I'm going to use trials in your life to get your attention, to show you your dependency, to help you see and grow spiritually. I'm going to allow that to happen. And I've got lessons you have to learn because there's parts of your flesh that need to die. And you have to take up your cross and kill the things that are still in your life. I'm going to show them to you through trials. And it's in the perseverance of the trials that we're going to destroy those. But you have to persevere. It is a key truth of your spiritual growth. God has a lesson and he's going to do whatever is necessary to teach you that lesson because you're his child and he loves you. Each lesson is critical to your spiritual journey. In the trial that God places in our life, if it doesn't get our attention or if we short circuit the process and bail on God, the next trial is going to be more intense. Same lesson, same opportunity. And every time you refuse to do the trial God's way, it's going to get worse. It's going to cost you more, more discomfort, more pain, more broken relationships, more harm, more issues. Please don't miss this. The lesson is not going to go away because God has already ordained that you learn it. As parents, we know this, right? I mean, if we're going to teach our child to stay out of the street when playing out in the front yard, the first thing we do is tell them, right? And if they learn the lesson, great. If not, the next step's more intense and a bit more uncomfortable for the child. And if that doesn't work, the intensity and discomfort increases. And if you're a loving parent, it continues until your child learns the lesson. You will allow almost whatever it takes to make sure that your child learns the lesson not to run out in front of cars because you love them and it could kill them. Their very life depends on learning the lesson. The same thing happens with our spiritual father who has a critical lesson for us to learn. We're going to learn it. How many trials and how difficult and how hard it's going to be is up to us. After we consider it joy, the second thing we have to do is we have to commit to persevering. Why? Because we don't want to go through this again. I tell people all the time, don't waste God's opportunity for you. Handle this correctly. You'll learn the lesson. You'll grow. You'll be more like Christ. You'll be more complete. You'll be more lacking nothing. Handle this incorrectly, and you're going to round trip through this trial, and it'll probably be worse next time. What James is saying is so critical. 
He says, look, when you realize you've fallen into a trial, you need to realize a spiritual process has begun. God has brought you to his gym, classes in session. Think about the outcome of the trial. I'm going to be more like Christ. God loves me so much. He's brought this trial into my life. He wants to show my faith. I'm going to show God my faith. I'm going to show him how strong I am and how much I trust in him and how much I depend on him. I'm going to show him that I'm not fearful. He sees potential growth in me that I never knew I had. He's going to teach me about me and about the power of this spirit he put into me. You see, trials are also given to us so we can recognize the power that we've been given. He'll make my flesh uncomfortable. He almost guarantees it, but he's going to grow me spiritually. I'm going to face this one who's spiritually aware that God has a plan for me. I'm going to embrace it as a necessary workout of my spiritual muscles. In other words, I'm going to consider it joy, and I'm going to stay in the gym as long as it takes to get the result. From the very beginning, I'm going to decide in advance to not leave this lesson until God decides the workout is over. If I gain nothing else out of this trial, James promises I'll at least gain perseverance. If God has a lesson for me, I will never fail to learn the lesson because I skipped class or snuck out early. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The truth is every trial that we experience here on earth, no matter what the cause, will build us up spiritually. No matter what the trial's about, whether it's God's comfort, God's sufficiency, God's presence, whatever the trial, we're going to build our faith through perseverance. We're all usually amazed. You ever watch those shows where you see like Iron Man and they run like a marathon, they swim an ocean, and then they ride a bike through like the world, and you look and you go, how can a physical body do that? How is that possible? One time years ago, Tammy and I were walking on a beach out in California, and it's where everybody lifts weights and stuff. And she goes, look at the muscles on those guys. And then she kind of looks at me. And I said, well, you just wait till my autopsy. Because my brain gyri are going to be like this. Hmm. We're always amazed at what the physical human body can do. In fact, most of our world worships it. God wants to know what our spiritual body can be like. He says it this way. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God's prepared for those who love him. See, we think about that as blessings. Just add trials to your blessings and it works. God has uniquely prepared circumstances in your life that are different than the ones in my life. Because we have different experiences, different fears, different weaknesses, different strengths. We're all going to learn what we need to learn. In the end, we all end up like Christ, but we get there differently. Your journey with Christ is your journey with Christ. You have the potential to become a spiritual iron man. To build spiritual strength you didn't even know you had. That you never would have known if you hadn't been in that circumstance. The Holy Spirit wants you to flex and show your spiritual power to the people around you. 
One of the reasons we go through trials and we do them spiritually is it allows us to show other people what God is doing in our lives and how we can be different from the rest of the world because we walk by faith and not by sight. You and I have no idea what God's really prepared for us. It's like Joni last week. We talked about Joni Erickson Tata. She said, I've learned the weaker we are, the more we need to lean on God. And the more we lean on God, the stronger we discover him to be. That only happens in a trial. So why would we persevere through trials that make us uncomfortable? Because we love him. We're disciples who surrendered to him. Remember when you got down on your knees and you said, God, not what I want, but what you want? You remember when Jesus got in the garden and he said, your will, God, not mine? We did the same thing. We've already decided to pursue spiritual things instead of physical things. That's what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can't do anything but follow spiritual things. He won't let you. We didn't join God's gym to build physical muscles. We joined it to join to spiritual muscles. And then James continues, it gets even crazier. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What is that? What? I get to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing? That sounds like heaven. That sounds like Jesus. That sounds like my home sounds like the place I'm going to. Sounds like the person God's going to shape me into. Notice that we're told to let something happen here. That means we have the option not to. Our patience produces something in us. There's something that happens when we stay in the trial and allow God to do what he wants to accomplish. We can become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The promise here is a spiritual one. Yeah, your body may die. Yes, you may get eaten up with cancer. Yes, you may have whatever. You may get hit by whatever it is. Spiritually, though, you're strong as a bull. You are strong. You're complete. You're more like Jesus. Jesus knew his physical body was going to die. He knew he's going to the cross. He's spiritually strong. Father, your will, not mine. Anytime you see a promise in a Bible verse, let me just give you this clue. Anytime you see a promise, here's a promise. What's the promise? The promise is, I'll be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When you see a promise in a Bible verse, read the verse backwards. If I want to be complete and lacking nothing, then read the first part of the verse. What do I need to do? I need to persevere trials. If I want to be complete and perfect, lacking nothing, I need to persevere in trials. I need to quit focusing on God getting me out of it, and I need to focus on what God's trying to teach me in it. I need to consider the joy of what God is doing. I need to thank God for all the things he's given me in this trial, and I need to let it play out as God decides it needs to play out. I need to be patient and persevere. Again, over and over in the Bible, We don't do it. We surrender and let God do it. If I'm in a trial, God's teaching me something. He's guaranteed I'll learn it. I need to get out of the way and let God do what he's doing. But do you wonder why James says, let it play out? 
Here's why. Because in our flesh, we'll take the first shortcut that's offered to us. And Satan knows it. Hmm. You see, if we look at trials from our perspective, and yes, we still live in a flesh body, and yes, we still fight our flesh, we want a quick fix. We don't want to focus on what we're supposed to be learning or try to understand what God's allowed. We're in a trial. We don't like it. That's why it's called a trial. In our sinful flesh, we've labeled this as negative and we want out. In our flesh, we don't consider what God's doing. We consider what's happening to us in the moment. We don't like it. God, fix it. If you love me, you'd fix it. Often I'll see people going through trials and they jump at the first lifeline that's thrown to them. They don't even ask if this is from God. This will get me out? Oh, okay. No one will find out? Okay. Well, I can do this and... Yeah, it's not what God wants, but boy, it sure might work. Okay, I'll do that. Almost any suggestion someone makes or any opportunity that arises to get you out of your discomfort, we don't stop to ask God, is this part of your plan? We decide to do it, and then we tell God we just made it part of his plan. And he looks at us and goes, no, you just made your second trial. Because we're going to learn this together, but now we've got to learn it in a different way. You see, often that opportunity that comes, and it almost always comes, will require you to compromise your faith. Take a shortcut, you do what you normally wouldn't do in order to make the discomfort stop. And your rational mind sitting here, you go, yeah, I would never do that. I watch people do this all the time. They have something in their life, they want the pain to end, they want whatever happens to end, and they choose to pursue their own desires over God's and they take a shortcut that Satan offers them with promises that are non-existent. But the promise, the lie is, it'll make your comfort come back. I'll, it'll take care of your discomfort. What you don't realize is, if you grab any rope other than the one offered by God, your discomfort is going to keep increasing until you learn the lesson and repent. People start to do certain things when they decide to take a lifeline that's not God's. They start to lie, they start to bend the truth, they start to reinvent scripture, they start to quote scripture differently. They find reasons to rationalize even though they know it's not what God wants, he's probably okay with this. If you ever use the word God is probably okay, stop, because he's not. Satan knows human behavior. You're never more vulnerable to attack than when you're going through a trial. That's why it's called a testing of your faith. Are you going to choose God's way out or are you going to choose your own way out? They're a test to show you how strong your faith is. The very first test is to see if you're going to persevere in the trial or you're going to let Satan take you on a shortcut. I'm often dismayed when somebody presents me with a solution and they say, I think God is okay with this. I think God wants me to have what I want. I think God wants me to be happy. I prayed about it and God's okay. No. If your plan to get out of your trial involves any question of your obedience to Christ, it's a shortcut and it's not from God. 
the minute you start trying to rationalize what you're about to do to your spiritual friends who know the Bible, you're operating in your flesh and not the Spirit. You see, as soon as you decide that you're willing to compromise God's will, Satan comes right next to you. He can't make you disobey God, but he can sure put wind in your sails when you start thinking about it. Once you entertain the idea, he becomes your biggest supporter. This will be perfect. No one will know. It'll work out. Just do this. Yeah, yeah, it's not legal. Or yeah, it involves a liar. Yes, it involves something. But God wants you to just, this will take care of the problem. But if we do that, we're not going to learn what God wants us to learn. And he, remember, he allowed that trial for a reason. Sort of like if you don't like school, you're going to really hate summer school. But you're going to learn one way or the other. Or you don't advance and you stay in that lesson over and over and over until you learn. Because learning, at least, well, it used to be the goal. So we may have shortcutted this circuit, this trial, but another one's coming and it's going to be more intense and more uncomfortable because the level of discomfort the first time didn't teach us what we needed to know. If you think about it, you're going to intensify the discomfort of your child until they learn to stay out of the street. Same thing here. God wants to teach you something. You let the trial come into your life. It's a blessing. You're about to learn something about yourself. You're about to grow in your faith. He's already committed to make sure that you're going to succeed. He'll either finish this trial or he's going to allow another one later. Spiritual maturity is the presence of mind to surrender to God fully and totally the moment the trial happens. That's what spiritual maturity is. I want to be complete and lacking nothing. So God, if this is the trial you have for me, I'm all in. So James says, when we find ourselves falling into a trial, we should move into what's happening spiritually. But when you face it in your flesh, your prayers are different, aren't they? You start out prayers with God, why did this happen to me? I thought you loved me. Well, why are you letting this happen? God, get me out of this, fix this, shorten it. Give me, grant me, protect me, bless me, make me comfortable, make me happy, God. Sort of like the prayers I prayed during every session with my personal trainer. God, get me out of this. I hate this. I never, ever got to a point where I enjoyed those physical workouts, ever. Never really caught the bug, never learned to love the pain. Never brought in the desired outcome. I finally learned that I don't want to be physically ripped. I don't enjoy the process of getting there, and I finally quit. I learned that the weights were heavy, and God put them on the ground for a reason. Don't lift things against God's gravity. It's uncomfortable. So I fired my trainer, and I went out to eat several times. However, my trainer was right. I did learn to love some workouts, but they were the spiritual ones, not the physical ones. I found that I enjoyed learning and experiencing more of what God has for me and what he wants to do in my life. I found that I loved what those workouts produced in me. I loved the outcome. 
So I began to love the opportunity and the process. I learned to persevere in them and accept them and in an odd way look forward to them and appreciate them as gifts from God. Every trial brings me closer to God. How much better does it get? Every trial molds and shapes me to be more like my Savior. Yeah. Every trial prepares me to go to a place where trials aren't even necessary anymore. You see, when you look at trials and you see them spiritually, they're huge opportunities with great potential and incredible reward. They are a blessing. That's why Peter says, when a trial happens in your life, why do you act surprised as if nothing bad could happen to you? It's a blessing from God. This life that we're in is short. We're to own nothing, possess nothing, because the trials are here to teach us spiritual things. We're not here to gain physical things. He wants us to leave this planet spiritually ripped, having had many trials and knowing that we can persevere. Here's how our prayer should be, I believe. As soon as we realize a trial's coming. Now here's the first thing. When a trial hits your life, your first conversation should be with God. Don't go into solve mode, go in fix it mode. You're probably in shock. If it's a big trial, just take it to God. God, you've allowed me this, so you're teaching me something really important. Thank you, God, for considering me worthy of this opportunity, although I don't think I can do it. I know that you want to complete me, and this has to be the best way to do it, but I sure don't like it. Uh, I don't see how this can help me, but I trust you. I'm uncomfortable, and I'm scared, but I trust you, God. What do you want me to learn through this experience? What lesson are you trying to teach me? Help me to learn it as fast as possible so this trial can end. Help me to be fully surrendered. What do you want me to build up in my spiritual muscles? Why are we here on this trial? God, during this trial, lead me not into temptation and deliver me from the evil one. I commit to persevering and remaining in this trial until you say it's over. I know that Satan's going to produce a shortcut. I know it, I know it, I know it, and I'm going to turn it down. He'll try to get me to compromise my faith, rationalize my actions. God, protect me and heed the warning that you gave to Peter. Simon, Satan has demanded you. He sifts you like wheat, he wants to. But I pray that your faith may not fail. God, don't let my faith fail during this trial. This trial is very real. It's very scary. It's uncertain. It's uncomfortable. It's testing my faith. I'm afraid. I'm scared. But I choose to face this trial spiritually instead of physically. I have a chance to be more complete and one day lack nothing. And until that, this is necessary to get me there. And God, since you're aware of all this and you allowed it, I know that you're not scared. I'm going to lean on your spirit in me. I'm going to depend on the power you say I have that I don't believe I have. I want to get every ounce out of this trial that you have for me. I don't want to learn this lesson again. I know you never waste pain or tears, but God, can you make sure that through this trial, everyone I encounter encounters you too? Use my discomfort to bring other people into the family. Allow my suffering to advance your gospel. If I'm this scared, the lesson must be a really good one. Help me to once again surrender my will to yours. And then just like Jesus, you get up off your knees 
and you pursue God's will. Help me to live the promise you gave out through James. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Trials are coming. They're going to hit your life like the waves of an ocean. Some are small. They're going to knock you over, though, if you're not ready. Others are bigger, and they can drown you. Some seem like nothing, but they have this huge undertow that tends to suck you away from God. Some are rogue waves coming out of nowhere, whacking you hard. Others are like hurricanes. You know they're coming, but they're massive, and you know it. Through James, God tells us that we can drown or we can learn to surf. As believers, we can ride the waves with him, eventually looking forward to the bigger waves of faith because our spiritual muscles are strong and have been built on experience over the years, riding smaller spiritual trials with God. We've spent time in God's gym, and we've experienced and persevered through the gym of life. We're moving towards being complete and lacking nothing. I'm reminded in this moment of a lady that we knew well in this church years ago. She was well into her 80s. She'd lost three husbands, several children. She'd been through all kinds of things. One night in our small group, she looked at me and she said, can I, can I say something? I said, sure, you can, of course. She said, I want to tell you about my faith. And this 86-year-old lady who just lost her husband less than four months before kept our small group spellbound with her faithful journey and what she's found God to be. Nothing could face her. She was a rock because she built spiritual muscles that were incredible. That's the person I want to become. When I get to the end of my life, I want to look back and go, I never wasted an opportunity in God's gym. It was uncomfortable, it was horrible, but I'm ripped and I'm ready to go to eternity. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you knew we were going to go through trials and you knew that we would need perspective and you knew we'd need you and you gave us this incredible message, these incredible verses to shape our lives. God, every person in this room, everybody who hears my voice, they're, they're either in a trial, coming out of a trial, headed to a trial, or in multiple trials and in various components of all. And if you notice in your life the same thing keeps happening over and over, maybe you need to stop and ask God what he's trying to teach you. And maybe you need to surrender and submit to his lesson. God, I know that the world watches us in trials. I know that we go to work or we see friends or coworkers or neighbors and we talk about how we go to church and we talk about how we believe in God and we got stickers on our car and we got t-shirts that say all kinds of things. But it's in trials that we witness with our actions. That's why James is going to tell us later, show me your actions and I'll know your faith. So God, when trials hit, and they will, help us to first and foremost gain your perspective to persevere and to seek the goal of being complete and lacking nothing. We love you. We thank you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.